Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Big League Chicago. I'm Rick here with Jack. And Rocky Wirtz just kind of went bananas on this town hall uh, after what was a pretty terrible week for the Hawks. Jack, I, I want to hear what you got to say, man, because that was off the fucking wall. Yeah, we'll, we'll start we'll start from the beginning. Uh, you know, Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday night, Hawks are playing on TNT. Uh, uh, Rocky Wirtz, Danny Wirtz, who's now the CEO, uh, Jamie Folk. Faulkner, apologies for Sports Center alert. Um, <laughs> Jamie Faulkner, who is in charge of the business side, and um, Eddie Olchuk, who kind of mod- moderated the whole uh, uh, discussion, kind of sat down. They discussed what the Hawks have been doing, and you know the communities. Uh, they discussed season tickets um, and uh, various assortment of things, and things for the most part were going great. And then. Eddie Olchuk said, oh, let's turn it over to the media. So first question, Mark Lazarus, athletic. And I don't know yeah. uh, how many of you guys have read uh, read the article posted on our blog, but uh, um, he kind of, he asked, um, what uh, what is the organization kind of, what steps has the organization taken to improve players and prevent them from uh, um, having a situation that happened in 2010 ever occur? And as uh, if our listeners aren't, um aware with what that 2010 situation was there was a uh um a, two lawsuits and actually now three since um this press conference has dropped um that alleged that the video assistant coach Brad Aldrich had sexually assaulted them uh, one of them actually coming out to be former Blackhawks first rounder uh over 10 plus years ago now at this point um uh, Kyle Beach and uh, a, a high schooler in the state of Michigan where Aldrich was later found uh, um, and convicted of, of, I think, rape. And he's, you know, since mm-hmm. been added yeah. to sexual, sexual offender, or, you know, the list. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the short breakdown out of it. I kind of talk a lot of it, a little bit about it in the, uh, in the blog. Otherwise, feel free to, uh, um, Hit us up at Twitter, um, Siffy Man. Otherwise, Rick, I, what's your Twitter handle? At NL Rick. Perfect. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to us, and we're happy to answer any questions you may have about it. I, I, I sat down and read the report, and, um, you know, the report the Hawks ended up doing, it, it is quite eye opening and, and definitely uh, um, a little sickening. So happy to answer yeah. any questions. Oh, yeah. But uh, um, so, yeah, the question we're going back to the press conference on Wednesday. Um, Lazarus asked, uh, you know, what's, what's going to prevent, you know, what has the organization done to to prevent that? And Rocky, who had been pretty quiet throughout the whole press conference said, I'll I'll take this question. And, you know, he said, uh, um, it's not really any of your business and his, his voice and tone kind of continue to get much more aggressive. And it was of, it was of a man who had been frustrated by the situation and, um, as as his later comment uh, came out, but you know he uh, he snapped he snapped in the public. Yeah, and he, he uh, did. He was like, "We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward." Like you could tell that was just out of pure frustration from that guy. Exactly, exactly. And um, so you know, Rocky kind of said, "It's none of my business. It's not your business." Um, when the question was actually directed towards Danny, and. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he's he pretty much just says, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're, let's move on. My, uh, Lazarus then followed up with, you know, why isn't it our business? You know, uh, Rocky then kind of, as he continued to get more frustrated and his voice and, and tone kind of raised, he uh, uh, said, you know, you're not part of the company. It's none of your business. You know, if you worked for the company and you asked that question, you know, we would answer that. Danny actually tried to step in. He uh, he cut Danny off, Rocky, and said, you know, no, this is none of your business, none of your business. And um, it was it was unbelievable. You know, I'm sitting on my couch watching yeah. this, and, and I honestly started sweat, sweating because uh, <laughs> you're like, what the uh, fuck? Yeah, no, I was immediately un- uncomfortable. It was you know after everything the Hawks have done in the last you know six months and and since last May when uh, I think the lawsuit was filed. Um, you know, a lot of that work had been put to the test last that last Wednesday, and and a lot of it was thrown out of the door because of these actions. You know, the 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 media and and Twitter is not not kind to the Blackhawks, as, as I'm sure you know, you Blackhawks fans know, and and those of you that are on Twitter are seeing. Um, you know, it's been kind of a, a shit show. And um, after the game, Rocky did release a statement. He said, uh, you know, he was. He apologized to the fans, the reporters. You know, it's it, he mentioned it's a great working environment, and that the right people are in the right right places to to do what they are. And and it was just some frustration. And um, you know, it it was uh, called upon that they want. You know, the people wanted Gary Bettman, the league's commissioner, to kind of come out and say. And you know, he said he had a phone conversation with Rocky, and kind of where the comment of he was frustrated and it's been a long road to where they've come. And, and uh, um, so he's not going to take any action towards, towards Rocky, but um, he's calling for forgiveness for, for a misspoken. Unfortunately in the press conference, it happened twice when, uh, when a Tribune reporter, I think his name was like Philip Thompson or something tried kind of asking a similar question yep. to Lazarus and, and Rocky once again, shut him down. Uh, it had been, um, uh, tweeted by Thompson actually that Danny Wirtz um, approached Thompson after the meeting and said, you know, he's happy to um, have a phone call or, or an interview and kind of discuss what the Hawks have been doing. And, you know, I think as the Hawks took the ice to 8.30 on Wednesday night, um, his statement came out, what time was it at? It came out around 10. So, you know, in the middle of the third oh, yeah. period is when the statement dropped. So I'm sure um, – <laughs> The ownership was much more concerned on on that press conference than actually what turned out to be a awful performance from the Blackhawks against uh, um, the Wild, losing again five nothing on on home ice. And, uh, it was a great first period; it was scoreless after the first, but came out to the second and it was awful. You know, you saw Mark Andre Fleury pulled in the third, uh, frustrated in the lot, going down to the locker room. Um, Colin, Colin Delia, who, who's been called up to kind of assist with uh, one other guy on the on the, the roster to back up uh, for late Lincoln and while he's hurt. So he stepped in. They didn't score anything on him, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, the Hawks looked looked pretty bad. And, and um, yeah, you know, it was it was a really rough Wednesday. I, I, I'd have to say one of the rougher um, Wednesdays in my 23 years of life that, that I've seen. So. Um, I think, think that'll go down as uh, as Black Wednesday for the Hawks uh, from here on out because that was that was that was rough. And then to lose to the Wild like later on that night is just was just like the cherry on top of that shitty shitty day. 
Yeah, and you know it's a scary thought because you like you know we've mentioned in the pe- previous episodes, uh, you know you've got Kane and Taze on expiring contracts at the end of next year, and they're looking at this press conference saying like you know we we're trying to you know we are getting judged on what we're saying in the you know in the the public eye now because of everything and and Taze has taken a lot of heat for not of uh, um, stepping up during the 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 time of 2010 when when the accusations were risen. So, uh, you know, they're both receiving a bunch of criticism, which at some point, some of it is fair. But, you know, at, at that point, you ask yourselves, you know, what is their desire to continue playing in, in Chicago? And, you know, fortunately, or unfortunately, you know, Rocky Wirtz is, you know, the chairman of the organization. He is your owner. And obviously, you know, yes, Danny Wirtz is your CEO, but the buck, you know, Rocky is not going anywhere. He's still signing the checks. He's still paying the bills. So um, until something drastic comes from, you know, that, that word side. And uh, I think it'll be a few more years until you see Rocky hand over that chairman role for the Blackhawks. And, you know, Danny, Danny words looked great on, on Wednesday night. And he, he, he was prepared. Jamie and Jamie and, and Danny, they talked, uh, uh, you know, a lot of frustrated season ticket holders have, have talked about, how they haven't really been promised any, any, anything, you know, you see all these fans in some of these buildings that are given promotions and, you know, no one's guaranteed a promotion. They're going to try and make it. So fans and season ticket holders are more, or um, the promotions are more available and they actually integrated a, a swap um, your dates. So you can try and try and trade games, which will actually be kind of nice. But um, overall, you know, it was, it was a good, hard, um, work by Danny that was and and Jamie Faulkner that was just kind of tarnished by by Rocky and and I know you've yeah. seen the clip so it, it's it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. like I know um you know I know you're a hockey fan but uh um, there's always learning and then you see that shit and I know this doesn't have anything to do with being on the ice but I just I'm interested to see what your take was on on the whole thing yeah man it was um like everything you said was correct right like what what really stuck out to me was that, you know, Rocky was quick to kind of like get aggressive on a question like that, you know, and, and while I while I understand there was like a whole report, there was an investigation, um, you know, his, his son Danny was like, you know, kept his composure throughout the whole thing. And like you said, you know, he went up to these guys and was like, hey, you know, I'll have a phone conversation. So it was nice to see that, like, while, you know, Rocky did a lot of, has done a lot of great things, you know, bringing us to three championships and whatnot. Um, it's good to see that, you know, Danny is going to probably step up and probably have a lot more composure than Rocky, um, mm-hmm. especially in situations like this, because like, even though, um, like I said, like there's an investigation and all this stuff was done, like you're still going to have to answer questions about this. Like no matter how much time has passed by, because it was just kind of un- unveiled like, you know, this past uh, year or whatever that that happened back in 2010 and you swept it under the rug then, or, you know, they didn't really know about it, but it was swept under the rug. And now, you know, you have to answer the questions as the owners. And it was just like, w- like when I, when I read about, when I uh, got the, um, what was it? The, I got like the ESPN alert uh, about it. And then you had messaged me about it. Like Rocky's going fucking mental right now. I was like, I, I looked up the clip and I was like, Oh my God, like the, the owners, I've never seen an owner do this, you know, like don't, don't get me wrong. The media could be assholes too, but it was just a simple question from this guy from the athletic and yeah. it should have been a pretty simple answer. You know what I mean? Like 
what are you doing to prevent stuff like this from the future? Well, these are the steps we're implementing. Obviously, we got rid of the people, no longer sweeping it under the rug. We're going to lead investigations. We're going to do this kind of like just give an overview, right? Because it is so fresh that maybe you don't have all the steps uh, input to prevent this, but at least you have a general overview of what you know you're going to do from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, uh, seeing, I think, Lazarus in, in the week before, knowing the town hall was coming and kind of said in one of his articles that he was going to ask a question and is going to challenge uh, Rocky. And I, it's just, I don't know how Rocky wasn't prepared and, and didn't realize yeah. that this was going to be like your your real test of the situation. You you know, it's kind of like taking uh, the ACT, you get all the, uh, you get up to all the questions and you feel like you've rocked. <laughs> all you know the sections then you get to the essay part and you just fucking f you know not <laughs> f but like you just absolutely fail it and yeah uh, you know that's kind of what happened and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's just kind of astonishing that he couldn't take that composure like you said to answer that question like how they hadn't prepared him to to understand that that's gonna come and and yeah it was just seriously unprofessional and in a terrible terrible look on the on an already struggling franchise that yeah uh, you know at this point as february 5th has uh i think it was um less than a you know i think they're at like a one one percent chance of making the playoffs at this point and we're right at the all-star game so uh you know and, obviously things and, are a disaster <laughs> uh, oh yeah and i was gonna say too like like this whole you know they lose to the wild that day and this is like coming after what they were like one in six going into that day into the wild game uh so it was already like just a lot of frustration building from like you know the team underperforming and i mean obviously right like they got rid of Carlton and stan bowman and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and but you know underperforming him seeing you know just all this shit but still like just keep that composure to to answer just a question you know that that you're trying to make the the culture and the blackhawks organization a lot better and while i can understand again like with all this shit going on you still got to be able to kind of like like you said be prepared to answer these tough questions which like did they not prepare them like did nobody tell them hey they're probably going to ask you about the sexual assault case you know what i mean like if you open it up to the media like they're probably going to ask you about that you got to be prepared for shit like that and and um yeah, man, it was just, it was, it was like, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how much to say about it just because I, while I am a hockey fan, I'm not a huge Hawks fan like you are. Um, I just, it was just, I don't know. It was just crazy to me. I, my jaw had dropped during that entire exchange with Lazarus and then Phil Thompson like kind of asked the same question and Rocky just to go at him again. It was like, dude, what yeah, are you doing? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, if I had to guess, they probably thought to prepare Danny for this question, which, as you know, as mm-hmm. we said, and as you see in the video that we posted on the blog, um, he tries and cuts in, but Rocky doesn't allow him. You know, I think they tried to yeah. prepare Danny for it, and Rocky just felt like, oh, you know, I haven't said anything all day. Like it's my turn to put <laughs> in, and you know, fuck you, Danny. Like you know, I'm, yeah. the, I'm, the, I'm the owner still, so I'm taking this and. And, you know, I think there has been some history with the organization with Lazarus. He used to be on the pregame show. And um, I think a few years ago, you know, he kind of butted heads with Olchuk or Eddie um, Olchuk. And so. Yeah, I thought you know, the there name was familiar been, too. 
Yeah. So, and he's always been a harsh critic of, of, of the Hawks. And, you know, there are those, those reporters, you know, I know there's a few guys um, just mm-hmm. out there that are, are very, very critical of this organization and, and rightfully so. I mean, given the last decade of, of performances. So uh, yeah, you know, I think that's why you kind of saw that Philip Thompson was approached by Danny where versus I think, you know, Lazarus will probably get a sit down as well. But you saw that that yeah. instantly went to Thompson as a guy who, you know, probably wasn't intended to be on the bad side of uh, Rocky that night, but it just kind of <laughs> played out that way because, you know, the, the funny thing about it was, you know, I think going into the Lazarus question, like Olchuk, they'd ran, they'd read some fan questions off. And then, you know, he said, like, I think we'll switch to like two media questions. And then Lazarus asked, and then they went right back to a fan question. And then Philip Thompson asked, <laughs> and he was like, you know, I think we'll ask two more media questions. Philip Thompson asked his questions. They <laughs> switched to another fan question. And then they called on, you know, NBC Sports Chicago's Charlie Ramodiotis, who asked a good question and, and said, you know, if the GM comes in, you know, is he given the reins to rebuild or, um, you know, what is his oh, that's, that's good. ability to look at the roster, which was a really fair question. And finally, someone kind of, you know, not that we're, we're saying the, um, the last, you know, the, all the, all the, allega- the, what seems to be true and of these lawsuits that have, you know, the first two that have been settled, but, um, you know, it's, <sighs> Not uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating to just think about it because like you think about, it was an entire town hall and that basically stood out and is kind of like mm-hmm. the only thing that really, that I remember from that whole thing too. You know what I mean? Yeah. At this point, yeah. really. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so, you know, they, the Hawks answer to, uh, Ramoti Otis is, and I'm botching that last, botching the last name, but, um, was that, yeah, you know, the, the GM who comes in and, um, uh, you know, we'll dig into what's progressed from that, uh, is, will be given the reins to, you know, fully, um, evaluate the roster and kind of go to go from there, you know, especially with your two superstar franchise superstars contracts expiring and, uh, you know, settling that goalie future they've got a guy in the who's uh playing in the olympics actually so for you hawks fans if you felt like the nhl is not being represented the hawks are the team usa is one of their goalie drew Camesso or something i can't remember his last name um is a hawks draft pick and he's i think he's at bc but he's playing in the olympics so uh kind of gives you nice. something to watch there but uh, for team usa um yeah other than that the they kind of touched on what's going on with the broadcast booth. Uh, you know, all those Hawks fans, you kind of, you know, especially in our generation, kind of, we grew up with Pat Foley. And unfortunately, you know, I think he kind of announced before the uh, beginning of the year that he wants to retire. And they kind of said that Foley was asking for, you know, taking less games this year, taking, you know, staying a few days in some of these road road games and visiting friends you know i know that he stayed longer in colorado and like florida and stuff like that and nice, you know nice. that was kind of felt like bullshit a little bit but you know who knows i know uh you know foley's been in the industry for like 40 or something years so um we'll see they they said they're they're close to hiring his replacement for next season so it'll be interesting you know they've been testing a bunch of guys um so we'll see what happens on that but you know, the positive note that has come from the Hawks press conference, I guess, is that they had to be a little bit more transparent on their GM search and 
and kind of you've seen some some results. Um, yeah, definitely. We can definitely light. get into that for sure. So, uh, so obviously we could <laughs> we could wrap up that that uh, that outburst from Rocky. Uh, yeah. yeah. Call it, hopefully, call it a day on that. You know, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But you know, kind of like you know what you're saying with the GM stuff, kind of looking to the future. Um, uh, obviously we've, we've got, we, they interviewed a few guys and they have a few guys in mind and you mm-hmm. were talking about Kyle Davidson, uh, you know, being in the running, but I mean, we can get into some of these guys, like for example, uh, who was it? Uh, Scott Mellenby, the former assistant mm-hmm. GM of Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, uh, uh, it's, sorry. I was going to say, what, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, he's uh, you know, he's a guy who played fourteen hundred games in the NHL, so he's kind of seen it from both sides. Um, he was a captain in the league for um, Atlanta, and you know, played for five different franchises. He's actually one of the guys who's played uh, some of the most games in the NHL without winning a Stanley Cup. So that's kind of a uh, a uh, not a just a kind of a tough stat as a player to uh, look back on, but you know, as a guy who scored 364 goals, 476 assists with 840 career points. Uh, he was, you know, in that Montreal organization yeah. up until November. So, uh, you know, only a few months since his departure, but he did see, he was part of that roster building of what Montreal was able to do last year and kind of make that, that magical run to the finals. And, you know, I think there has had been some reports that he was hoping to step into the general manager role if that had become available. And, you know, I don't think they were ready to promise him that him that. So I think he he ended up designing deciding to resign. So it wasn't a fire situation for, for Scott Mellonby. And, you know, like I said, he he um played in the league and he's been with um he'd been with Montreal for several seasons and kind of worked his way up from scouting to to his assistant GM role. So uh, kind of paid his dues on the other side of the sport, but uh, definitely yeah. a good candidate. Could be could be interesting. It would be a a first time GM solely role for him. So obviously, it's kind of like uh, um, you know what the Bears have done with both their hirings. It's guys that are stepping into um, these positions for the first time on their own. So which on our list, and you know, obviously we're talking about Melby right now. Yep. Excuse me. There are a few guys that have actually uh, or you know, sort of like, we'll call it a guy and a half uh, with the half being Dave Davidson, since he took over for Bowman um, that have had past GM roles. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. I think Mellonby would be liked by a player just because he knew, you know, you're a player and you know, that players played in the league. So obviously it's a business, but um, you know, that kind of gives a relatability uh, aspect to these players, which some may appreciate with Mellonby. Yeah, I mean, twenty-one seasons in the NHL like that is—that isn't like, like what Ryan Poles is to the Bears right now. Just a couple seasons in, like this guy was in the mm-hmm. league. This guy has been in the league and, yeah. you know, resigned because he kind of wanted his. He wanted. He felt that he could take that next step, you know, up to mm-hmm. GM. But, you know, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe the Canadians' loss is, uh, you know, Blackhawks' game. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and you know, kind of an interesting, like, small little thing that people don't think about, I guess, is uh, you know, obviously Melby was Canadian, but uh, came over there and played two seasons at BC, I want to say. Um, but oh, nice. either way, he played college hockey in the states, so he's he's able to kind of recognize that that is a 
Um, you know, obviously there's the junior and, and foreign game to to recruiting and scouting, but he also realizes, you know, as you've seen with Kale McCarr and some of these other guys that have stepped up from, you know, Trevor Zegers and all these big names, um, you know, these guys played college hockey. So um, it's always a nice um, kind of thought that he, you know, played that American college hockey. So he'll respect that. But yeah, no, Melonby, a guy who was, um, you know, born to Ralph Melonby, who is, you know, the four, one of the producers for Hockey Night in Canada. And so he's, you know, he's always been around, um, been around the game. And correction, he went to University of Wisconsin, not BC. So apologies on that. But, you know, like I said, Ooh. he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's still competitive D1 hockey. So you love to, you love to see that. Yeah, and uh, kind of getting, you know, like you were saying, the guy and a half with Kyle Davidson. Um, mm-hmm. He's been with the Hawks for fucking ever, it seems like, yeah. since 2012. And, like, he just, uh, just like a few years ago in 2018, said he became uh, Bowman's assistant. But, like, he's been mm-hmm. with the league for – I mean, he's been with the Hawks organization for a really long time. And he kind of – at least from what it seems like uh, the notes we took down, uh, like, he kind of started from the bottom, really. Yeah, yeah. Another guy, you know, obviously Melonby played in the league, but, um, you know, Melonby kind of worked his way up through scouting. Davidson kind of did it through the, the video analysis and uh, um, hockey admin, which I, I kind of think has been a lot of I'm, – I'm not totally sure what that 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 title meant, but, uh, yeah, he was then kind of, like I said, moved into Stan Bowman's assistant role, and I guess Stan Bowman liked him, and uh, the front office – or, you know, the um, hockey ops – really did as well and they made him his assistant gm and you know obviously it's like our vp system you know or our president system and you know if the president goes out you know our vp comes in and you know that's what you saw kind of happen here with uh with davidson so you know it's it's interesting you know he i would say he's one of the favorites just because he's been with the organization like you said since almost i think 2012 if not even longer um so he's been with the the organization for th- two of those three Stanley Cups and kind of saw what it was like to win. So he has that taste of it. So, um, you know, you kind of respect and, and uh, can appreciate that. Um, you know, obviously kind of broom, you know, groomed by Stan Bowman. So uh, we'll have, you know, that connection's there, but it seems like he's kind of taken the steps to separate himself from Stan and, you know, his thinking and, and um, breakdown of the roster. It'll be interesting, you know, obviously as, as the trade deadline approaches here at the end of March, that uh, his, his position will be seriously judged. And, you know, it's funny that the Hawks have kind of said they want to have the position filled by the deadline. And I would think that, you know, for Davidson, his real interview, obviously he can sit down with ownership yeah. and tell them, but his real interview is in his test should be that deadline. So, you know, in that sense, I feel like, it was kind of stupid for them to put a date on it, but like Davidson, you know, it, it will be interesting to see what he does at the deadline. And if the Hawks decide they don't want to stick with Davidson, he, he could really be making a case for one of these teams that does um, potentially fire a GM and the offseason yeah. to go in and look at. So, uh, you know, that, that would be a, a not bad look for the Hawks. I think for the first, you know, first two we've mentioned, uh, the third guy I'll transition us into is uh, Peter Shirelli. And, and I'm not, not, not enthused about this guy. You know, he's, uh, he's got a uh, Stanley cup ring, but, uh, um, he's a guy that, you know, we'll, we'll break down and, um, but 
made some questionable moves that led to kind of his dismissals uh, at several organizations. But yeah, I mean, I'll let you break them, break them down real quick before we, we talk about them. Yeah, for sure. So uh, current vice president of hockey operations for St. Louis blues. And, you know, like you said, he's been with a few organizations, the Oilers, the Bruins and uh, with the Bruins in 2011, when uh, they did win the cup. Um, so, but like, like you said, man, like this guy has like some serious questionable attributes and like ways of handling organizations and things like that. Uh, and like you said, you know, not your favorite, uh, not someone you'd prefer. And to be honest, like if, if it's well reported that he's kind of like had questionable mo- moves with, with, uh, these past organizations. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the, if the Hawks organization right now would probably fit him, you know, kind of going back to Kyle Davidson, you know, how you said like this trade deadline, his decision, uh, on what to do with the team pieces in, in the team, like what to do is his real interview. Um, I feel like maybe this guy Ch- Chirelli has already kind of had his interview and has kind of like done these moves that have not been popular with the organization. And if, you know, eventually come back to bite him in the ass, you know, on the back mm-hmm. end. And um, yeah, man, I, I just, I, you know, and if you say, because <laughs> I, I, I'm taking your word as like Bible, if you say you don't <laughs> think he'd be good, like I'm 100% with you uh, on that, on that train right there. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to go to, to school out in the East coast and a lot of my friends are Boston fans and, you know, they kind of say those, that Bruins team won the cup without Shirelli and, and the moves that he made, they only really made one move at that deadline and it was acquiring a forward for a forward. And, um, I think it was forward depth. I know a big thing Bruins fans are obviously upset about was the dealing of, uh, of Tyler Sagan at that point. And, um, you know, obviously that, that was really questionable at that time. And especially the player that Sagan was able to develop into um, with the Dallas stars, you know, being an assistant there and being a key part of their scoring production and leadership. So, you know, that's one that pissed him off. He uh, pissed people off, you know, obviously after, after after Boston, he, he moved to uh, Edmonton and, uh, you know, he was there for a few years. He he was there. He kind of came in the year they actually were able to win the lottery and, and draft stud uh, Connor McDavid. Dreisaitl was actually drafted the year before, so he was not responsible for the drafting of, of that. But, you know, as much as you want to say, all right, well, yeah, he, gra- he drafted Connor McDavid. If you had the number one pick in that year, it, it had been two years prior that it was decided that McDavid was that number one pick. So <laughs> It was pretty um, obvious, right? It was like the it, obvious pick. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there wasn't much skill in that sense to, to guess that he could be the next, you know, kind of great one in that sense. So, um, you know, yes, the Oilers made the playoffs in 2017. They won a first round match for San Jose. Uh, they're knocked out in the second round by Anaheim. Um, kind of at, that 2017 was a tough offseason. The Hawks have been there. Um, they had a lot of salary they had to take care of. It was, um, and they had to look after kind of those assets of Leon Dreisaitl and, and Connor McDavid. And, and you kind of saw those both guys, I think if it was that season or if, I think it was either that off season or during that season, they both received kind of eight, eight year, like crazy sums amount of money for the NHL yeah. uh, um, contracts, which uh, kind of then had them have to move some guys and uh, some hometown you know, guys that were really liked. And then they brought in Milan Lucic on a seven-year deal, which ended up being a really 
um, expensive and and questionable move and uh, nothing to bash <laughs> Lucic, but um, kind of a guy who had passed his prime at that point. And you know, again, you saw some questionable moves made. Um, Taylor Hall, who ended up winning uh, the MVP the year after he was moved, he was traded to New Jersey Jesus. for a defenseman. So you know, another another set of questionable moves that then kind of led to his dismissal after they missed the playoffs for the next two seasons of 2018 and 19. And he was fired in uh, 2019 before um, he was hired by St. Louis this September, I want to say. So, you know, he hasn't been in St. Louis for very long. And like I said, and like, uh, I appreciate your, (laughs) your sticking with my opinion on it. You know, obviously um, not my favorite. And from what I'm, what I'm seeing, definitely not fan favorite or, and uh, I think like even Edmonton's like sports, you know, some of their sports writers are like, here you go, Chicago, take them, take them, yeah, take them, <laughs> you know? And so it's just like, oh my God, you know, not another Bowman, not another shit show. And uh, I was, really was going to say, as, as you were describing him, like what he's done, I was like, are you describing Chirelli or Bowman? Because this, uh, <laughs> this is like mirror, like, like the Spider-Man movie, both fucking <laughs> looking and pointing at each other. Exactly. It's, it's deja vu and it, you know, it's something Hawks fans, um, you know, it, there's the diehards and, you know, obviously Wednesday tested a lot of, a lot of the fan bases um, support. And um, you know, obviously there's some that you, you'll read that tweet or two, or, you know, obviously they're out there that, that say, Oh, you know, we're, that's the last draw, but you know, if it's your hometown team, you're a true sports fan to your sport, your city, you know, you'll stick with the Hawks through the thin and thick and uh, you know, they're, they're going to get through it. And, you know, it kind of segues me and I'll let you break them down um, to my personal favorite and kind of one of the, the young, uh, um, you know, critics are calling them one of the more talented uh, um, analytical minds that, that you're seeing in the game. So he'll be a really hot topic. But, yeah, I'll let you break down Eric Tolsky. Yeah, Eric Tolsky. So we, we went through the organization, what we think the organization, the Hawks favorite is. The guy that you were definitely not wanting, basically Bowman version two. Uh, and then to your favorite, uh, Eric Tolsky of the Carolina Hurricanes, currently the assistant GM for that organization. And like you said, already kind of like considered one of the younger and more brilliant analytical mm-hmm. minds in the sports, which kind of like, um, it just reminds me of like this whole like uh, renaissance with head coaches that's going on in the NFL, right? Like, you you know, you got younger guys, analytical roles, like these guys are like bringing in like these dynamic offenses. So he's one of these guys that uh, I guess hockey in general, like all the organizations are like, man, this guy is going to be amazing one day. And so, you know, he turned Carolina into a contender now, uh, not only through trades, but, you know, more importantly, through the draft. And stepped into the assistant GM role two years ago. And it's, I mean, Carolina, you, you've seen their progress and how good they've been in the league last few years because of, you know, him stepping up in that role too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think they had two guys represented in this week's all-star game. Uh, you know, you're seeing Tivo Teravainen who came from Chicago to, to Carolina, uh, Sebastian Ajo, you know, um, you got this, I think it's Jordan Stahls down there. It's, it's, it's a solid team, Jakob Slavin. And, you know, I could go on about that roster. It's, it's a team that's built for a playoff run and, and you've seen it the last few years. And obviously, you know, Carolina won a, won a Stanley cup in I think it was like, Oh, six or something or Oh seven. Yeah. And, you know, Carolina kind of went nuts. Like Raleigh was going wild. And, uh, you know, obviously when, when Carolina kind of was moved to, um, I think they were the Whalers. Then 
then moved to Carolina from Hartford. And, you know, people are like, what the fuck does Carolina know about hockey? And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's worked to a certain extent, you know, obviously they had a few rough years in that rebuilding uh, process that the building was, you know, the you know, people weren't there. Uh, but yeah, Tolski's been there for eight years. Like we said, he's been the assistant GM for about two. Um, and they've made the playoffs and been serious contenders in that Metro decision, the division, um, you know, obviously last year being a kind of a weird year with the conferences and, and stuff. I think they're in the Hawks division last year, actually. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it, it's, it, that would be, you know, like we said, he's being, he's our favorite, you know, bring us Eric Tolsky, yeah. bring me more, bring me more, bring me more. I think, uh, Davidson and Tolsky actually Tulsky in my veins. <laughs> uh, I think Tolsky and Davidson interviewed either yesterday or two days ago with, uh, um, Shirelli either being interviewed today or tomorrow. So, um, you know, obviously things are progressing, you know, they did say they want to have someone hired by the deadline. So March, late March, um and so you know obviously it being uh first week of february that's you know about 28 in a month away 28 in a month 28 days in a month uh one month and 28 days um away so you know it's it'll be interesting to see what happens in that search um you know they're gonna they're they're being very open something i actually appreciate about it and i think you know obviously like we kind of said um the press conference obviously probably made them have to be a little bit more transparent and, and open to the fans that they're taking that football style of approach and announcing each candidate and kind of uh, being really, uh, um, you know, open with the fans and, and the media of who they want to hire so far via their website and, and, and media pages. So, you know, keep tracking that. Um, Hawks, I think, come back Wednesday. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You hope for... Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, Wednesday night was one sign that, you know, a lot of people were on, on the media were saying was that, that it was a team that had quit, a team that didn't have much to play for. And you kind of saw that in Flurry's eye, why he was so frustrated, you know, being the guy he is. He always wants to compete and he wants to be yeah. on a winning team. So, um, you know, I think as a guy who's been in the past who really didn't, who I think actually has to waive a no trade clause, but um, who usually doesn't like being traded, I think you'll really see him be pretty open to that. And, you know, as much as he's appreciated the Hawks as they celebrated, you know, his 500th win um, in his career, you know, it's, it's, he's at the point of his career where he's got to make that decision if he wants to go try and make, make a winner one more time. So, um, you know, hopefully um, that can all be done um, in a, a, a good manner. And, you know, obviously in a positive sense, because the last thing they need to do is, you know, tarnish a reputation with a future Hall of Famer like Fleury. So, um, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And and like you said, you know, a guy, a guy who's competitive like that, who all he wants to do is win, like, you know, even though he doesn't like to be traded, doesn't like to move his family, you know, I know that's a huge thing with him. Like, I feel like with his competitive drive and things like that, like he's definitely going to want to go to somewhere where, you know, they do need good goaltending and where it could be – because – I mean, I don't know, like I, I've obviously never played any professional sports, but like I feel like when you're in the playoffs, when you have that like uh, uh, opportunity to win something else, just kind of like you, you just get in, you just kick into this other gear and all of a sudden you're like better than you were during the regular season or better than you were your, than your worst game, you know, something like that. Just like it just makes you want to be your best self in, in that position. I just maybe Fleury is probably going to do that and he might take the trade. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, like like we're seeing with Edmonton and a few of these other teams, Washington and some of these teams that have been hit with injuries, they, they need goaltending depth and they need goaltending now. So, um, you know, Edmonton being a team that's sitting kind of on the, the brink of, uh, of a playoff spot on the outside looking in. So, um, yeah, you know, I think besides that, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I think Shirelli is getting interviewed tomorrow or today, like I said. So, um, you know, I think we'll look forward to seeing what they release on that. And, you know, obviously Jack uh, P., one of our writers, he's he's kind of handling your game-to-game analysis. But uh, as soon as uh, I hear anything too too sweet and juicy, you know, obviously after hearing the, the conference, I was like, oh, my God. You know, I'm either calling my yeah. dad, which it was like 11, you know, or not 11. It was early, but I was like, I don't want to bother him or I need to write this. So I, you know, sat down yeah. and, and was like, yeah, I got to type something. So, um, yeah. No, I, think I that's love it. I fucking love that. That like initial response to like what the fuck just happened? Like you needed to get that off your chest, and you're like, I, I have yeah. to do something about this. This is too good not to write about. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you know, I think we'll see what happens, and you know, we're we're looking forward. Obviously, you know, the performance on the ice has it's been just been um, you know not fun and and not what you want it to be, but uh, still important things are going to be revolving around the Hawks with how. Um, the things are, things are coming up and, you know, these important decisions need to be made. So, you know, we'll, we'll be right there giving you uh, your Blackhawks coverage. So besides that, you know, it was all-star weekend, um, in Vegas, it was kind of nice, weird. Nice. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> you know, they did a, uh, Why is that? they did, you know, obviously your on ice stuff and they broke out some off ice stuff. So they did a one challenge year. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Vegas, but like the Bellagio has this pond. And like, I want to see it when I visit, like I've never been to Vegas, but I want, once I, once I go, I want to see it. But, um, so they were doing like a kind of a passing shooting challenge in the middle of the pond on like platforms. And it was kind of cool for like the first two shooters. And then they had like seven or eight shooters go. And like, it was like a 20, 30 minute event and it just took too long. And, you know, like I, it <laughs> lost its taste really quickly. So, yeah. um, that was kind of weird. They did like a card shooting thing where you had to like, shoot pucks at different like you know life-sized hung cards of playing cards and you know you're trying to get 21 and you know everyone got 21 besides like one guy in the first round so then they went to the second round and it was like whoever gets the highest card wins and so everyone got the aces and then the kings and then it went to the queens and then you know finally they started knocking people out and then you know the winner of that challenge i think was uh um can't remember who won that challenge but you know that it was just stupid shit like that so it, it just felt like they were trying a little too hard i don't know <laughs> yeah like they were like they were just doing too much in one location at one time i even saw that debrinket d- did some weird shit with a uh, Derek carr from the raiders yeah you know and then he breaks it at, you, you know you're you're segueing me into the the breakaway challenge which in the past has been really fun you know tate or kane's done it and he's done some great stuff and uh, you know, he did a Superman type thing and, you know, Vetchkin's dressed up and, you know, Corey Perry did a mini hockey stick and some of these guys have taken it. And, you know, this year you saw Jack Hughes bring out a magic box and like skate around it and, you know, show the, 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 the crowd that no one's in it in the world and then close it, skate it around it. And some like, you know, miniature Jack Hughes comes out of the box and, and scores his, his shootout goal. And like, that was his attempt. And then, 
you know, Zegris, which was actually a really cool move. And I, I encourage all all our listeners and you, Rick, to go check it out because it was actually like really sweet and impressive. Um, Zegris pulled the um, the dodgeball. He dressed up as Peter Lafleur, and and uh, you yes. know, finals, you know, final scene. He he covered his uh, his his eyes with uh, that white towel, and um, you know, he had uh, some guys throw some dodgeballs, and he uh, kind of did some really fancy moves and uh, scored. And I thought that was the best move. And you know, unfortunately, uh, fan favorite and local um, Vegas player Alex Perantrangelo, who didn't even score on his fucking attempts literally missed the net on his second one Get fucked. And, uh first one like does some stupid shit like didn't care then the second one misses the net like brings out the oh yeah what he, he brought out the vegas marching band like puts him in a line between the net and the goalie <laughs> oh and then God. puts the puck over the net and because john ham knew him and he's a st louis guy who won a cup with st louis and john ham like rigged it and so fucking Alex Pertangelo wins the contest, but um, <laughs> no, it's it funny. I, you know, Debrinket did a uh, uh, he kind of did an Allen uh, from the Hangover. He, he brought from out hangover, baby, Car- yeah. baby Carlos, did the glasses, the long hair and beard, and uh, actually brought out um, funny enough Las Vegas Raiders uh, Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr to throw him a pass that he later transferred to a stick, and then put in the back of the net, which it actually went in and it was, it was impressive. It did. And, yeah. I saw that. Uh, I was like, Oh, he got a whole football in there. Yeah. And he was getting some, some tweets from Strom and uh, a few other players on Twitter that were saying that you know, this was bullshit and that he should have won. But okay. so, you know, it was kind of, kind of weird there. And then, you know, kind of in the, like the one challenge people were like really looking forward to besides, uh, you know, what we've mentioned was the fastest skater. And, you know, obviously everyone thinks McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. And, um, you know, last night it was to not be, it was Jordan Cairo. You know, he, uh, a rookie at second round pick out of St. Louis, uh, beat out McDavid who actually, I think finished like fourth. Um, so he, you know, he didn't have nearly the fastest time and, you know, some of these guys were flying. Some of them were taking their time. It was, uh, uh, you know, kind of, a a weird night, you know, obviously the fans that were there enjoyed it, but overall just kind of a weird experience is what I'll say. It, it just was long. And, uh, and then finally today was the, the all-star game, you know, the central beat, um, I think the Atlantic and then, um, the Pacific lost to the Metro in the first game. And then, uh, the central couldn't beat out the Pacific or after, couldn't beat out the Metro in the finals. I think to bring it like they're calling off goals in this fucking all-star game to bring it had a goal called off because of an all offsides. Uh, I think in the game before that, like the central got a goal because they scored, but they didn't think it went in and, and the, the Atlantic had actually scored. So they called off a goal from the Atlantic and gave it to the central. So it was just a weird, nothing, but weird mayhem. Day. Jesus. Yeah, it was weird. But uh, one funny part I will say is Tyreek Hill made an appearance because, you know, obviously the pro bowl is going on and the, both are oh, in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did challenge uh, Usain Bolt to a, a sprinting contest in Vegas, so that was that was interesting. That was <laughs> that was interesting. So there was a lot going on in fucking Vegas then, Jesus. Yeah, Vegas is packed and and, and wild right now. I, I couldn't imagine. You know, it, it sounded like the players were all staying outside the city. So uh, that kind of yeah, tells oh, you I how bet. how crazy things uh, things were going uh, in Vegas. So, but yeah, you know. NHL picks back up on Monday. Uh, yeah, weird, weird break, weird, 
weird just look, a lot. But, lot um, on, if you're a you know if you're a general hockey fan that's you know needing more hockey, uh, the U.S. women's team has has kicked off their their tournament in the Olympics. I think they've gone two and zero, so uh, it'll be a nice little fight uh, between Canada and U.S. Unfortunately, the U.S. actually had a uh, um, a player stretchered off on their first game um, due to, due to a slew fit. So um, she's out for the tournament, but you hope they can rally around and kind of uh, build a run as they won uh, won the last gold medal in in Pyeongchang. Where was yeah? I think it's Pyeongchang was the last one. Where was it? Twenty eighteen. Um, whatever the twenty eight yeah, 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 Olympics yeah. was. So uh, yeah, you know, I think the men's men's kickoff on Wednesday. Um, so you know. If there's if you're itching for some hockey, there's there's always some more. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, after a wild week with the Hawks uh, kind of going in, in downturn, going into the All Star game, you know, you bring some liveliness with the Brinket, you know, doing his shit, and uh, just kind of looking forward to like the GM search, and you know, hopefully mm-hmm. they pick your favorite, you know, this guy out of uh, Carolina, and you know, maybe within this next month or two months, you know, it it, it becomes like. Uh, like like kind of with the bears like looking into the future and being like all right yeah. it looks kind of bright i'm excited for it yeah yeah absolutely you know I, as we kind of mentioned as we'll break down you know the bears took the steps finally that you you kind of expected from a um a, a top class organization and you, you know you hope to see the same thing from the hawks if tolski isn't the the hiring uh you know i, I wouldn't say like i'm 100% guaranteeing it but i i, I would say it's very likely he is um, in the in the helm of a, an organization real soon, um, if yeah. it's not Chicago. Sweet, yeah. And with that, man, let's get into the Bears. I've got something for you. So obviously, uh, we mentioned last episode, and it hadn't been official yet, but the Bears got Luke Getze uh, as their offensive coordinator, and. Again, just great that we got him away from the Packers because it's awesome. Uh, after spending seven years with fuck the you, Packers, Green Bay. Yeah, fuck you, Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he was a uh, Green Bay's passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach in 2020, and you know you could obviously see like like I like it's just the Green Bay's just been lucky with like the receivers they have, and obviously Aaron Rodgers, you know, kind of becoming a fucking Hall of Famer. Um, so, so for him to like be able to coordinate the passing game, you know, obviously be quarterbacks coach to, to not only Rogers, but love as well. Like, it's awesome to have someone who has come from a lot of success into the bears organization, you know, just, again, it's one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, this is a good hire because it's going to translate into Justin Fields, the offense on the field that, you know, we just haven't had in years. Um, and you kind of hope that it becomes like one of those, you know, passing attack games or RPOs and whether it's in a year or two years or three years, you know, he, he might be up for head coach one day. And that's kind of what you want to see because you know, the team is progressing in that sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would say that would be a success to fields development. That'd be a success to, um, kind of changing the perception of what Chicago has always had as an offense towards their mm-hmm. franchise history, which has been stall. It's been dull, you know. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know we had a hell of a special teams that year. They went to the Super Bowl and a hell of a defense. And you know, yeah, Rex Grossman had a touchdown pass in that Super Bowl, but like that offense was was not that special. So yeah, we still um, had Rex Grossman. <laughs> um, exactly. So you know it. 
you you would think uh, if if Getzey, uh, you know, one of these younger guys that's that's looking to really build his name in the, in the NFL world, if it could be a success, it would be um, kind of the best of both worlds for both sides. And yeah, you know, you, you love it, especially coming from Green Bay. You love to yep. uh, you love to kind of steal from the within the division. So. Yeah, like we said, <laughs> fuck you, Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Green Bay 2022. Um, so, yeah, like you said, you know, like to have, uh, you know, obviously it was it was a shitty first year for Fields, but you know he can kind of put that all behind them and then learn from from a new guy. And like I said, even if in two three years, whatever, he gets pegged as a as a head coach for another organization, you know, he he has a good kind of starting point from there on to just continue to be a, a great quarterback, hopefully a future hall of famer, you know, that gets, he's been working with for the last few years. And yeah, man, that's, that's, you know, it was a great hire. I love it. Um, again, just coming from the Packers is even better. Just the cherry on top for that. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. And then uh, as far as the defensive coordinator, you know, unfortunately we have to say goodbye to Sean to say, but at times, um, the defense just didn't look like it was playing to its potential or to what it actually could play. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you see, you saw that in games like, and and again, they were, it was like at the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season, towards the end, like they had great games where they were just like shutting people down, and then they had really bad games where you're just like, what, what the fuck? Like you guys are just getting sacks, uh, pass deflections, like all the interceptions, like all this, all this stuff, like just last week, and now you're kind of like fumbling here to even to, 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 you know, keep them below 20 points or something. And, and so with that, you know, you say goodbye to Sean to say, but you welcome Alan Williams, who mm-hmm. is following uh, Eberflus from the Colts. Uh, he was on this, uh, uh, he was working as a safety and the defensive backs coach. And now he's basically overlooking the entire defense. I, you know, I think it's a good, you know, if, if Eberflus is, is confident with him and Eberflus again is a defensive minded coach. So mm-hmm. I welcome that as well. Yeah, and for all you fans that are asking for like who the hell are these guys, you know, um, Hard Knocks this year on HBO was was in season Colts, so there's a decent oh, yeah. amount of Eberflus. Or I think Alan Williams makes uh, a few appearances. Um, I, I watched it and I kind of was doing other things while I was watching it. I don't know if David, I don't know how much of Bergosi I saw Bergonzi. I don't know how to say that. Bergonzi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much of. Uh, um, have him that he's in there but yeah no i think um yeah you know i think it's an exciting uh it, it's an exciting hire with williams you know as you said mm-hmm. safety is kind of defensive backs coach so he was on that defensive side of the ball with Ibrflus, who being the coordinator there um and you know obviously it's another guy who's stepping up in to a, a higher role but you know as you said Ibrflus being that defensive mind you know if he's struggling i'm sure Ibrflus has no problem pulling the the coordinating duties from from them and you know kind of leading that defense um you know on to size note you know obviously you hate to see someone leave but yeah uh, yeah like you said you know the safeties corners you know the secondary was pretty pretty trash for chicago this season um pretty you know, shit. <laughs> uh kind of felt like cleo mack wasn't really um put in a position where the attention was drawn off him where he could kind of make his impact mm-hmm. felt um, and then, you know, obviously he got injured, but yeah, you know, you look to the future with Williams and, you know, you hope for, for positive things. Yeah. And then you mentioned Borgonzi, uh, linebackers coach, right? Mm-hmm. Another guy coming from Indianapolis, um, for, he was, a uh, when, whenever Flus was a defensive coordinator, he was basically there 
the entire time is uh, Eberflus for all four years. Uh, and like you mentioned, Khalil Mack, right? Like these guys, you know, come in and, and, you know, you hope to work with like a Mack, with a Robert Quinn, with, uh, with a, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name, with a Smith, right? Like, and to, to obviously make them better. And, you know, cause when, when you look back at like that 2018 season, you had Mack, you had Akeem Hicks, you had Roquan Smith just just being able to penetrate that offensive mm-hmm. line, causing these like quarterbacks to make these like decisions, terrible decisions, which which in turn made uh, Kyle Fuller, uh, our other defensive backs, our other safeties look really good. You know, coming in with these interceptions. So it's 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 crazy how like when you think of all these like uh, specific role types of coaches the impact that every single role has on a defense or even on an offense, because it does make it like so much better, right? You have Khalil Mack being able to come in and get a strip sack or, or, or like a QB pressure. And then that quarterback throws an interception because he's throwing it a little too early. His, his wide receiver isn't seeing it. So you're seeing all these like gears kind of working and, and, you know, you hope a guy like Braganzi could come in um, again, you know, very familiar with Eberflus, uh, with, with, I'm sure with his defensive kind of like uh, idea for what, what he wants to do. And, you know, he, I, you just hope he can come in and make all these guys that much better to where it could be a defense from like 2018 or 06, you know, where they're getting mm-hmm. these takeaways, which is something that Eberflus really wants uh, in his defense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, um, you know, as we talked about with the secondary being bad, I think some acquisitions need to be made for those things to be kind of better. You know, Jalen Johnson is mm-hmm. kind of our, our quarterback corner back room. And then, you know, it's kind of a bunch of question marks yeah. besides that. So, you know, hopefully, you know, they can look to acquire a, a steady, uh, you know, number two, but, you know, a starting corner. Yeah. So, um, you know, you hope for that to improve. And I think you see that and, um, you know, if Eddie Jackson can stay healthy and, and that defensive line and, and linebacker group can uh, uh, continue the success that they had this year, you know, obviously the stud of Roquan Smith, you know, the most underrated player in the in the fucking league. Uh, Honestly, you know, yeah. Yeah. You've 100%. got names there. You've got names there. And, it, and it's funny. Like, I think uh, like Bill Pullian, I think he hopped on one of the radio stations this week and kind of gave an interview. He's like, you know, I think the Bears have like, you know, six to nine, like dogs, like, you know, those chips that you need. And like the, you see, he thinks like you need, um, I, can't, I think it was like 10 to 12 is what he thought you, you need for like a winner. So, um, uh, okay. or 12 to 14 or whatever it was. So he's like, you know, the bears are still missing a few more of those pieces, but he didn't trash any of the hirings. So, you know, it's, it's no, positive yeah. in terms of, uh, um, of our boy, uh, um, of our boy Dave, you know, another guy that's coming from Indy. You love to see that he's got that yeah. connection with Eberflus. So, uh, you know, you, you think that will run pretty smoothly in, in the sense for for that defensive side of the ball with your coordinator being familiar with your with your linebackers coach. And, you know, obviously there'll be a secondary, uh, you know, someone who's in charge of the, the safeties in the corners. But, uh, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's a familiarity, familiarity that they, they have that connection already. So. Uh, they'll be, you know, ready to work, um, full guns blazing. Yeah, and then uh, another guy, you know, staying on the defensive side that I just saw the article for. They're bringing on another guy from Indianapolis, of course, uh, James Rowe, to be the defensive backs coach. And good, 
you know, he, he was a cornerbacks coach for Everflus, you know, uh, last season. He has four years of uh, coaching experience in the NFL. Uh, he was working with Kenny Moore, who, you know, last year, last season, or this past, this season, actually, uh, Pro Bowl honors, you know, four interceptions under two tackles. So this guy, you know, bringing in more, uh, more guys from Indy, guys he's comfortable with, guys that he knows that uh, will follow his vision for the defense is – is awesome, you know, again, because of the connection, because, you know, like I was saying before, it's, it's, it's important to work on these specific roles because it, it just helps the defense as a whole. If this guy's doing his job and this guy penetrates the offensive line, now everybody's looking better. And then just the defense as a whole looks great. So, you yeah. know, one guy I didn't have on the notes here, but definitely uh, another good hire, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we've been saying with the past few guys, you know, you love to see that familiarity and knowing each other. So I'm always, I'm always for that. Yeah. And then moving on the offensive side, you know, other than Luke Getze, the big name for the offensive coordinator, uh, Chris Morgan, offensive line coach. Um, So most recently worked on the Steelers line um, and they didn't, they weren't great. I think this year um, as far as the Steelers O-line, but the bulk of his career was working with the Falcons offensive line and, he was, uh, for one season, I think, the run game coordinator um, in addition to his offensive line line duties. And while that isn't the – I don't know. I, I just – you know, you had Matt Ryan there, and I think he did a pretty good job of protecting him. But, I mean, like just, just the last few seasons, like Matt Ryan and the Falcons were never the same after that loss to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, but, obviously, he, he – you know, he pretty sure he got them there, uh, the run game with – with like all the running backs that, that Atlanta has had, they doing really well with that. And you hope he could come in and, and help out this, this offensive line that has kind of been another wishy-washy part of the team in recent years. You know, they have Tevin Jenkins, they have Larry Borum as their young guys coming up. And, you know, you have some vets in there who, who haven't been great, who haven't probably played to, to what they actually can play like up, you know, to their level. Um, but you kind of hope he comes in. Bolsters that offensive line um, can, you know, teach them how to protect fucking Justin Fields, you know, uh, make sure they protect them at all costs at this point. And then, you know, just, just again, another one of those little things that that's specializes in one certain aspect and makes that unit as a whole that much better to where they can protect fields can work really well against top defenses, which, you know, we, they struggled against this, you know, for the last couple of years. So, hopefully he comes in and is able to do all that stuff for that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you want to see um, fields get the protection he deserves. And, you know, obviously it's tough to develop if you can't stay healthy. And uh, you know, that starts with, with protecting the quarterback and, you know, giving him time to, to have plays develop. And, you know, it's been something bears quarterbacks have really not had that much time is, you know, from when you snap that ball until, uh, you know, when you have someone on you. So, you know, I think that league average is like something like, like 0.3 seconds or something. And like that bears, like you'll see it like on, under that. And, um, you know, that's scary shit. Yeah, <laughs> Anyone would be scared about field, that. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously uh, the Jenkins, you know, obviously him being a rookie last year, he was hurt for a uh, majority of the season, but you know, they, they drafted a few guys last year and, um, you know, James Daniels, I think, is he a free agent? This, he's another free agent this year uh, or next. I, I think it's after this next season, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm pretty sure like 
they were still like thinking like, hey, is are they going to trade him next year or are they going to trade him this offseason to maybe like get a pick in the in the draft or something like that? So right. I'm pretty sure he's got a year left. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if you know if he sticks around. Obviously, he's he's young; he's only twenty four still. So, uh, you know, he's he's been someone that you know people thought was a first round pick when the Bears drafted him in eighteen, and obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you haven't really seen that yet. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully, um, you will uh, you'll start seeing uh, improvement. Otherwise, you know, like you said, we'll see him moved for some picks or a pick. But yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that line we'll that see. lines that lines, you know, Cody White here obviously still being there, but there's some pieces, you know, things you need to build off of. You know, hopefully they'll like we said as the corner position, you know, hopefully they target, you know, another decent lineman in one of these later rounds and uh, you know, hopefully it pans out. Yeah, hopefully, man. And then, you know, on the on you know, the other side of that, the Bears hired uh or are set to hire, I don't know if it's like one hundred percent yet, Andrew Janoko as their quarterbacks coach, which again, another very important position, obviously with fields there, um, has actually spent the last seven seasons with the Vikings. So another uh, in division pickup. Uh, so we're not only getting them from Green Bay, we're also getting them from fucking Minnesota. Uh, fuck Minnesota 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the wide receivers coach in 2020 when Justin Jefferson, probably one of the more, electric receivers young receivers right uh he broke the record uh for most receiving yards by a rookie in 2020 so that's awesome to see too because you do want that awesome connection between quarterback and wide receiver obviously and and if he can somehow work with mooney that'd be that'd be even better right so um not only that did he help justin jefferson with that but one season uh he was leading the qb room and he had he helped Kirk Cousins basically with the lowest interception rate of his career and best touchdown interception ratio with 33 and 7. And if you can make Kirk Cousins that good, you know, with one year, uh, I just th- there's high hopes for him and Justin Fields working together this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know you're getting that much more. Um, you know, obviously, I think anyone would agree that Justin Fields is. 10 times the athlete that you'll, you'll see, maybe not 10 times, but a much better athlete than Kirk Cousins. So, um, you know, you get I agree with that the 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so you, you'll get that aspect of it. And, you know, obviously it's a more of a, um, technical and, and diverse option that, that gives you. So, um, yep. to run in that scheme. So, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully good things, you know, obviously, Minnesota, it's been you know their their few years, but like you said, um, cousins and 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 he were able to kind of find that connection. Yeah, thankfully, right? Like again, if you can make her cousins good, then then just the the ceiling just keeps getting higher and higher for for Fields, and you know he could run. He's a very athletic guy, like you said. He's definitely, I think, ten times the athlete that fucking Kirk Cousins is, one hundred percent, man. Um, yeah, that's kind of been all the Bears hires. You know, they they I think they're still going to continue hiring a lot more people. It was just a lot, but uh oh, also uh, I forgot about this, but they're looking to hire Rich Basicchio or Basakia. I forget. Oh about it. yes, yes. So yes, yeah. we took Getsy, and mm-hmm. we said fuck you, Green Bay, and Green <laughs> Bay decided to say all right, fuck you, Chicago. We'll outbid you. <laughs> So right now it's a bidding war from what I'm hearing between Chicago and Green Bay. And it sounds like Green Bay is actually in the lead 
Um, I can't pronounce his last name, so I will let you pronounce it. But um, I think it's Basicchia or Basaccia, something like that. And um, so hopefully, you know, you um, you hope that does that isn't the case, and you'd love to see him. Obviously, as as talented as he is, he took a you know a Mm -hmm. team that kind of had a lot of out of you know a lot of drama inside and outside the locker room and took him to the playoffs so um he's obviously a talented coach and you know we're always looking for um an elite special teams which is something that kind of the bears in terms of our returning game has has been and you know as yeah. one of our pro bowlers um uh jakeem or i think i'm saying it, jakeem, yeah, grant, jakeem grant you know mm-hmm. he, being there for his specialty or his special teams play so um you know we've obviously got a talented uh, returner and um, you know, I think Pat O'Donnell is a decent punter and, um, uh, you know, Santos yeah. obviously was, was decently consistent. I think they'll bring him back again. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the special teams, as long as the right guys in front of there, you know, it's a, it's something that's been consistent for the bears. You know, there were some games where I think they made some mistakes, but, um, in terms of the, when they're trying to, when they're kicking off and defending a return, you know, I think they struggled a little bit, but, um, when it came to the offensive side of it, it felt like things were, were positive. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of going on those kickoffs, it, it seemed like even if they were coming out of the, you know, anytime we were going up against any opponent, it seemed like anytime they were fielding a kick from their own end zone, it seemed like the coverage wasn't there and they were always able to get to like 30 or a little bit more beyond. So, you know, you see a guy like Rich Basicchia go get, go get into a head coaching position take the Raiders who nobody thought was were, was going to make the playoffs, you know, take them into the playoffs. And yeah, they were, you know, run one round one game type, type of team. But, you know, if he can bring his experience, you know, as a head coach and as a, as a special teams kind of coordinator into the bears, you know, instead of the green Bay Packers, fuck you. Um, that would be, that'd be awesome just yeah. to improve that. Like you said, to improve that section of the team would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great. And yeah, besides that, I mean, it's kind of weird. You know, I think we've been pretty bears heavy for the last few weeks and rightfully so with all the craziness going on. And it's be kind of weird until, you know, free agency ramps up and then the draft's going to be what it's going to be. You know, obviously we don't have a first round pick right now, but um, you know, maybe something changes in that, that sense. And if it does, it'd be um, exciting, but I think, you know, I've looked. I've I've enjoyed covering this uh, this saga of bears. Yeah, <laughs> the bears trilogy yeah. of hiring. Yeah, it's honestly like when when you when, you know when it gets to something like this when you're talking about coaches, it, I feel like it's uh, obviously you have a bigger body of work from each coach to kind of like judge them on, right? Like as opposed to like, hey, this kid, you know, that they're possibly trying to get in the first round had a great college career, you know, because everybody can have a great college career. You look at a lot of these guys coming out of college and just have terrible fucking NFL careers. But with like these coaches, you have a, a good body of work. You have these relationships that were built. So it's, it's a little bit more exciting to see like these guys, you know, us covering them now, seeing what they do uh, with the players in the offseason and then seeing it translate into the regular season. I just it's fucking awesome, man. So, and I've never done this before. So like you said, it's actually kind of like awesome to, to kind of talk about it and just to go over it, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, I've enjoyed every second of it. You know, I, I think it'll be a little bit of a of a wait, and you know, I'll be looking to fill my time in August with, um, you know, some preseason info. But yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. dude. We'll see what happens. Yeah, let's. Uh, spirits are high for the Bears. We'll, uh, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But spirits are not high. 
for the uh, Major League Baseball negotiations. Um, yeah, dude, I share your frustration. <laughs> you know, two months. It's already been two months since the lockout and <laughs> the union and the MLB, the owners just like are, are just on separate ends of what they want, you know, and like key parts apparently. And so, you know, with, with the fact that it's been two months and like that, that there really hasn't been any progress made that MLB was seeking assistance from like a federal mediator to kind of help resolve the differences um, in, in, and just recently, the, the players were kind of like, yeah, we're not allowing this. We're not allowing for a federal mediator to come in and try to, like, settle this. So They kind of took it as an insult, to be honest. They were like, yeah, we're ready to yeah. sit down and negotiate this. And, yeah, the league, the league, yeah, it's a scary. It's really scary. But continue. Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. Like, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, the, the, the Players Association was kind of like, what the fuck? Like, we can actually get this done if you guys, you know, maybe just kind of like sat down with us instead of having to get some guy to do it for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So while, while I think it's, it's a good idea in some sense to kind of get like a federal mediator guy to kind of like look at it from like a completely objective point of view. um, Like you said, it's almost like a slap in the face of the players association who are definitely trying to have a season who definitely want to play, you know, they don't get paid if they don't play. And, you know, I, I would want to get paid to play baseball 100%. So, it's um, yeah. it it just it just kind of sucks, you know, because you know it, it's been such a standstill for two months, and you hope you hope that by the time opening day is supposed to roll around, you know, start it it there's an opening day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. You know, I think like I think you wrote in the notes. I think uh, spring training starts in like two weeks. Like catchers are supposed to mm-hmm. be reported. Pitchers and catchers are like reporting any day at this point. Supposed yeah. to, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. Um, and you know, I think you'd really, you know, free agency obviously will ramp up immediately, but yeah, no spring training is going to be delayed. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, there's unfortunately, and it's, yeah. <sighs> It's another bad look, you know. People have been criticizing uh, Rob Manfred all over the place, um, and yeah, you know the players they want the mo- you know a little bit of the money lingo to move. You know they want some more respect, and and you know I know service time has been in the the argument, but yeah, yeah it does sure sound like the owners are really sounding like they want to move, and uh, that's a scary thought. It's a very scary thought. You know, you've got one side that's very willing to. <laughs> Tash kind of things out and try and and discuss, but you know the, it's the stubborn greediness of of professional sports that um, that's halting the progress for sure. Yeah, and you and you and you kind of think of it as like <clears throat> they both need each other, obviously, to make the money they make. Mm-hmm. So if there is no season and the players hold out for like an entire season, the the owners are going to be like, all right, well they fucking did it. And now we're fucked. Like we're not making this money that we expect to make every year for six months or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you know, while, while there is a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of like, um, I guess just haziness because minor league players don't get paid as much as major league players do. So their season's fucked. And, you know, they kind of rely on that as well, because you do hear about minor league players kind of having not only playing baseball, but having a second job during the offseason mm-hmm. to kind of supplement that that income. Um, 
but yeah, man, like, like who knows what's going to happen. Um, but the, the, the owners will absolutely see just like a huge decline in money made. Uh, if the players do decide to just kind of skip the entire season, which if the players do, then obviously 100% on their side, because like you said, owners are fucking greedy, man. And, and they deserve to get hit in their, their wallet every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, you hit it on the nail. You don't want to see a delay happen. I think the other thing I'm hesitant is I don't want a sloppy short-term deal to be put together either because, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I think the MLBs avoided lockouts pretty substantially and they've done a good job of it in the past, but it, it scares me that we'll head onto this route that some of these other leagues have taken and, you know, these shorter bargaining agreements that, um, you know, we'll have a discussion every two, three years and lockouts become yeah. a thing, you know, obviously like the NHL, I think they've locked out three times in the last 15, 20 years. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, you hate seeing it. It's, it's professional sports. You know, you always want that to be on, you know, you, it's baseball season come, come April and, 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 you know, early, early, um, May and, it's football season come August, September, October. It's hockey season come September. It's fo- it's basketball season mm-hmm. come September. You know, it, it you want these things to be your well-oiled machine. You don't have to worry about the bullshit of of what it is, but it is what it is right now. And the players have a a, a reasonable fight and, and something that absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when you're producing the amount of revenue that you are for your fans, you know, I think you're you're willing to you know, wiggle on what your, what your terms are. So hopefully that, that comes to fruition and, and something's hashed out, but yeah, right now the movement is, is, is slow on the, the baseball end. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just to kind of stand with the players here, you know, just to, 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 for the owners to see kind of like that decline in revenue, if, if, you know, something does happen, I uh, vow to steal as much from the owners, uh, as I can, uh, try to bring in free stuff for everybody to have instead of having to pay 20 bucks for a Coke or a beer. And I'm just going to steal shit. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to steal as much shit from them MLB owners as I can. Um, just so they can see a little, just a little bit of me and it makes me feel a little bit better for these big ass uh, companies and owners to feel that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think besides that, do you got anything else? No, man, that's it. Uh, just, uh, yeah, that's about it. We covered we covered a lot of hawks, covered a lot of bears. Mm-hmm. Um, man, always great, always great talking to you. And and like I said, you bring a lot more to the hawks table than I ever could. And I'm sure the listeners definitely appreciate that. Yeah, well, always always appreciate hopping on. And uh, um, you know, hopefully, like we said, and you know, obviously Wednesday was a Black Wednesday, is as what we'll start yeah. calling it. Um, was a really bad day, but bad days happen. It's part of life. Yeah, you know, bad everyone, days happen. Everyone, have, everyone has bad days, and you know we we're we're confident. You know, maybe not confident, but we're hopeful things will will improve for the future. And and uh, you know that's that's the life of sports and being a sports fan. You know, but always appreciate talking to you, Rick. Always appreciate listening um, to your insight on all these things and, and discussing it. It's always fun, and uh, you know, look forward to to catching up next week. Yeah, for sure, man. Hopefully it's uh hopefully it's not as crazy a week uh for the Hawks or just in general. <laughs> yes. Uh, hopefully yes. we just kinda come back with some more positive news, you know, yeah. uh, on the Hawks. Yeah. But 
we shall see. All right, man. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah, we'll get together next week again. Perfect. So moving on to the Bulls, uh, last two games, uh, good and bad, you know, some, some, some good uh, against the Pacers, some bad against the Raptors. Uh, obviously, they went one for one these last couple games. So let's break it down, starting with the Raptors game. Um, kind of a tale of too many turnovers and not enough offensive rebounding, pretty much. Vooch had a great game, um, but they lost the uh, turnover game 17 to 12. They gave away 17 times. Um, and most of that was from uh, DeMar. I, he had four turnovers, but I mean, the whole starting lineup had, I think, like a total of about 13 turnovers. So obviously DeMar had the most, but I mean, you kind of put it on the starters there to giving up the ball too much. Um, and then the Raptors took advantage, you know, got a lot of points off those, uh, off those turnovers. And then when it came on, uh, onto the offensive rebounding, they got out rebounded 22 to 10. So not just not great, especially on the offensive side. Um, you know, when we, when we talk about offensive rebounding, uh, Obviously, you want to win those. You want to get those second chance points. But on the plus side, you know, they're getting the defensive rebounds when they need to 41 to 36. The Bulls actually, you know, beat beat the uh, Raptors on the defensive rebounding part. Um, So, you know, you take the go with the bad there. Obviously, again, you want the second chance points, but sometimes it just doesn't happen that that uh, that way. And, you know, that's that's kind of the reason why they, they lose this game, even though Vooch had an amazing game. Uh, 30 points, uh, yeah, what is it? 30 points, 14, sorry, 18 rebounds. Uh, that was his, you know, up to this point, his ninth double, double in 10 games. So Vooch has been on fire lately. He's kind of turning into the, the all-star that we, that we wanted, that we, uh, traded for, uh, mid season last year, um, during the deadline or whatever. And it's great to kind of see him, reemerge as this offensive just power force um and and you know it it takes a lot of the the vooch haters <laughs> i don't know it just kind of like deters them almost you know because even though he has had a lot of struggles you know earlier in the season it looks like he's kind of coming back into form and even even in the beginning of the season he still had a lot of really good games still going for double doubles 20 plus points um uh, in a lot of games. So he's shown it and and he's had his stretches where he, he obviously is not doing very well with rebounding or, or just scoring in general and, and not, not being that guy that, you know, just in the paint forcing his agenda, his scoring in the paint that we all wanted to see. And he's starting to do it now. It's starting to look amazing. And that's unfortunate. I mean, unfortunately, because, he was looking good in this game. They they still lose the game, unfortunately, against the Raptors. Obviously, they were in Toronto, but they it goes in overtime, and then they just get they just kind of get destroyed in overtime. I mean, it was only thirteen points that Toronto scored uh, to the Bulls six, but they end up losing one twenty seven to one twenty. We'll go over some stats here. Demar Derozan with twenty eight points, seven assists, six rebounds. Javante Green. Added 13 points, you know, starting. And then you had uh, Nikola Vucevic with the best stat line of all, 30 points, 18 rebounds, uh, one block, four assists. Like, he had a really good all-around game. 
not too many. I mean, three turnovers, but I mean, it's not it's not terrible. Zach Levine with only 15 points, unfortunately. Uh, he did say during the game that he was playing with back spasms, so it, it's it was a bit of a rough game for him against the Raptors. And, you know, it, it's obviously going to affect him, as you can see, with only 15 points in this game starting. Io got the start at guard uh, against the Raptors, with came in with 11 points, uh, 8 assists. So that's actually really cool to see, obviously, from your guard position, right? Like the amount of assists that he's, that he's given, dishing out, and a few of them were to uh, Vooch. So it was nice to see that connection there. And then the bench, uh, Kobe White with the best stat line, 16 points to assist in 23 minutes. So very, very good stat line out of Kobe White. Again, unfortunately, they get they while they force overtime, you kind of look at the first three quarters and see that they just they they were beat by uh, Toronto. The all three of those first quarters, sure, only by a combined six points, they lost all three quarters. So they were in, they were going into the fourth down six, but I mean, still you need to kind of come up with those. Um, you know, you have to, if, if you, if the bulls win one of these quarters and they come into the fourth with the, with the way they did, they probably would have, you know, come out with the, with a W in regulation, not having to go in overtime, but unfortunately they did. They, they lost the first three quarters by a combined six points going to the fourth, just blowing the fucking Raptors away. They win that quarter 33 to 27 moving OT. Unfortunately don't, carry that same energy or that same, I don't know, scoring mentality into overtime because they only get six points out of it. And yep, they lose that game, but great game for Vooch. Great game off the bench for Kobe White. Turnovers were a plenty though for the Bulls and not enough offensive rebounding, unfortunately. So now we can move on to the Pacers game, which was, (laughs) it was, it was basically like the Bulls dunk contest, honestly. Unfortunately though, the, uh, you know, someone who you'd think would come in with a dunk contest, Zach Levine, did not play this game. He was out, and it looked, uh, yeah, for the back spasms that he was kind of dealing with uh, in the game against the Raptors. But Vooch dominates again, and this time he dominated against an undersized Indiana Pacers team that, <clears throat> as the Bulls were coming into it, kind of knew that, right? So they knew they were going to be undersized, even Coach Coach Billy Donovan was like, hey, man, I need you to do you in the paint. I need you to to just score and just be unforgiving to these fucking Pacers, right? And he did just that. He came out with 36 points, 17 rebounds, which now becomes his 10th double-double in 11 games. And again, you're seeing this offensive um, just output by Vooch, and 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 it becomes amazing to see. Like Again, you just love to fucking see it. And, you know, his second – game in a row with 30 plus points. Um, and, and again, back to like the dunking, right? Like the, the bulls seemed pretty much in control uh, this entire game. The second one, the second quarter was a little bit shaky, um, but they, they kind of dominated in the fourth. Uh, and again, with all these dunks, man, like Io was dunking uh, fucking Javante green was dunking. Vooch was dunking. Like D was dunking. Like all these guys are just like, again, coming in into a fucking dunk contest. And it was awesome to see because, you know, when you, when you lose to the Raptors in OT, you, you, you want to basically pick yourself up against a shitty, uh, uh, basically like beaten down Pacers team right now, even though, uh, who was it? Levert 
scored 42. Um, but I mean, that was kind of like all the scoring that they had this game. But it's awesome to see them kind of rebound from that overtime loss against the Raptors, coming to coming to the Pacers, or sorry, coming to the UC against the Pacers, and just destroy a team that you know you expect them to beat. And so again, Vooch had his had a great game, 36 points, 17 rebounds, three blocks. Like he was just dominating. Um, with with Zach Levine now, you had Brown Jr. come in. He only had nine points in about 35 minutes. Rebounds were pretty good for him, though. Um, That's kind of it for Brown. DeMar DeRozan added 31 points, five rebounds, seven assists. So, again, more you like to see from DeMar. And he kind of – he was kind of overshadowed <laughs> by Vooch. You know, it's usually the other way around where DeMar is like the star of the game. And even though he scored 30, Vooch scored 36 and and was just dominant in the paint blocking shots, dunking the ball. It was uh it was kind of rare to see that, but you know, Vooch definitely deserves this credit for second game in a row just dominating the way he did. And the best part of it all was Io, 15 points, 14 assists, so another double-double for Io. 14 assists. God damn, it, you'd fucking love to see that too from your from your guard, but putting it away in the fourth quarter on a stellar fucking dunk by him just posterizing one of those those Indiana guys. I don't know who it was, but, you know, Javante Green getting a bunch of dunks. And you always love to see Javante Green dunk because when he dunks, he dunks with authority, and it just looks amazing. Like, I, I just love seeing every highlight video with with Javante uh, dunking. It's, it's, it's just great to see. It's good TV. It's good Bulls television. But, yeah, so those were the stats. Uh, Tom, Matt Thomas coming off the bench with 10 points. Kobe White was uh was uh not playing against the Pacers right at uh, right adductor strain apparently so kind of keep an eye on that we do you know you always love to see Kobe White come off the bench and you know perform like he did against the Raptors you know he's again double digit points and you know him between him and and Io like you can kind of plug and play them you know for starters or bench it's just always great to see these two guys kind of kind of coming into these games and doing what they're supposed to do, man. Just cause you know, we have Zoe out, we have AC out. Um, it's, it's just always awesome. And then IO to, to seal the game basically in the fourth quarter with that dunk. It was amazing. If you guys haven't seen it, go over to the bulls page and fucking see that highlight, man. Like I've seen IO in some games kind of go for that dunk and just be blocked, you know, cause he's, he's a small dude compared to these like centers. But when you're going up against a very undersized undermanned Pacers team, he was finally able to kind of get that dunk and just put his uh, exclamation point on that game. So awesome to see they they're four for six, I believe. Um, sorry, four and two in their last six games. So again, we're we're seeing that upswing now from the Bulls after their kind of like shitty week, couple weeks there stretch where they weren't doing too well. And yeah, it just going into the trade deadline, you know, they're going to be buyers. You know that for a fact. Um, they're still at the top of the V still at the top of the East. Um, so again, another positive players are going to want to come to Chicago now, you know, via trades or even this off season via free agency. So it's always a positive to see that. And it's always great for the city of Chicago when the bulls are amazing. It's honestly great for the NBA when the bulls are, are good. Um, could have said the same thing about the Knicks, but they have fallen off hard uh, this season. 
But all I give a shit about is the Bulls, and so should you if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, man. So let's 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 look for more of this upswing from the Bulls. See what kind of moves they make. Again, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline for sure. See who they can pick up. Jeremy Grant obviously is always in the mix. Uh, name that really has been in the mix for the Bulls since the beginning of the season. So look out for that and just hope for a speedy recovery from Lonzo and Alex. And, you know, they come back with time, enough time to to be as effective and be as good as they were, obviously before the injuries when the, when the Bulls were at full strength. So, yeah, that was talking Bulls. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping for a deep playoff run. I can't wait. Like, it's going to be awesome. And Bulls fans, I know you guys are excited. I'm excited. I just can't wait for that. See what happens at the trade deadline and then the playoffs. Like it's going to be a great season for Bulls basketball. Again, just want to thank Jack again for coming on. Really in depth on the Hawks. Uh, I love it. You know, after the Rocky Word shit that happened, and then kind of going over the GM search, which is super important for for Hawks hockey. Um, and I I would love to see Chicago be a hockey town again, man. Like it's 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 always amazing to see all the Hawks fans to see the UC packed for not only the bulls, but the Hawks like that would just be great to see. So thanks again, Jack. And if you want to follow Jack on Twitter, he is at Siffyman S I F F Y M A N on Twitter. You can follow me at, and now Rick on Twitter and on Instagram, and then follow the crack one media page on Instagram at crack one media, and then visit the site, right? Crack one We got blogs. We got this podcast up there. Um, Going to keep adding blogs and going to keep adding more content uh, to the site. And again, always appreciative of 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 um, reading the blog, of you guys reading the blogs, you guys listening to the podcast. If you guys love it, I would appreciate it if you guys shared it on your social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That'd be awesome. Follow us, show us that you shared it. It'd be great uh, if you love just kind of hearing me, Jack, and all the writers going on about uh, Chicago sports and Hopefully you guys share it. I would love to see it. Um, Give a nice little fan appreciation post on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, that's it for us. Let's stay hopeful for the Hawks. Go Bulls. Bears. Let's do it. See ya. Niggas quick to lose cool and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. Like, nigga, who's you? Welcome to the halftime show. I love to leave a nigga flatline. Yeah, I know. Niggas quick to lose cool and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. Them all these little screw niggas, they lame. Fuck with them, I can't. Basic mounted and strange. Vision faded and plainer. Ex nigga, one really bitty was on some bitch shit. Wasn't a fan of your figure. And I only like the skinny women. Shit, I like my women plus size. No lie, that why I stress my on your butt thighs. That's fine by me. She cooks whenever I slide. Pasta burger, french fry. Sometimes I don't even eat. She fuck with my precious. My fluffy, she swear she let me eye Kiss on her tummy, my tummy XL and fit her perfect Won't catch me lurking at all My Richard once I spit saw Since so proud and so tall So she 
weeks of rounds of applause over and over and over again. So my homie and my parents, we were only just friends. At first, I couldn't let my secret out then. It's getting deeper now, but I don't care what others think about me. Came out of depression, had to pick up the pen against any nigga. Thick wallet, chubby chasing them Benjamins now. Tribe got all day to change the name, so we winning again. Sound partial. Hey. Welcome to the halftime show. I love to leave a nigga flatline. Yeah, I know. Niggas quick to lose cool and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. Like, nigga, who's you? Welcome to the halftime show. I love to leave a nigga flatline. Yeah, I know. Niggas quick to lose cool and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. They always lose screw, niggas. They, niggas they.